Welcome to the Present and Sober podcast with your hosts, Sam Goldfinch and Ellie Crow. If you want to make your life bigger, not smaller, then this is the podcast for you. If you can sense that you're destined for more and you're curious about how drinking could be holding you back, listen in and come on this journey with us. Through the interplay of mind and body practices, we will help you elevate your daily life and discover the wonder and potential of going alcohol free. Let's make life bigger together. Hello, you lovely people. So it's spring here, kinda. We got some sunshine, and the nights are getting longer. And uh, you know, we've got a real sunshine guest for you today. We've got Kim Ray Smith with us. She is a fellow This Naked Mind coach, and where she's from, the other side, the far distant land of Australia, it does actually. Well, it's sunny a lot of the time, <laughs> and uh, she's really, really fun and an exciting guest. But she's got some really, really hard-hitting points in her story. So it's an emotional one. It's a roller coaster. So buckle up. Now, Kim does some really amazing work in the construction industry. Her business, Reconstruct Drinking, is changing drinking culture in, in, in the construction industry, which is a really powerful mission. She also does a lot of good work in her Facebook group, Sober Party People. Woo! Something I'm very much into, partying sober. And uh, yeah, she's so much fun and I'm really excited for this one. Awesome. So yeah, Kim will give herself a great intro, so I won't say much more. Other than that, our waiting list for the next Stay Stop solution is filling up fast, so please come and get your name on there. We're getting to a point where we're having you know, genuine discussions about when the next group is going to launch and everything. And if you're listening to this uh, podcast kind of uh, after it was released, there's always going to be groups and stuff running. So there's always going to be a wait list or you can reach out to us and uh, let us know that you're interested. Awesome. Without further ado, I'll hand you over to me, Ellie and Kim. See you there. A really special guest with us. We've got Kim Ray Smith with us today. She is a fellow TNM coach, and uh, she's got some. We've just been talking about all the awesome things you do, Kim, um, with reconstruct drinking, and you know all these different things that you've got going on. So we're definitely going to chat more about that um, towards the end of the podcast. So for anyone who's super interested in that, make sure you check that out. But Kim, you know, we just wanted to. Your story is really interesting, and we're just really excited to hear it hear it from you basically and then to like you know ask ask questions about things we're curious about so if that's okay with you that's that's what we'd love to do that's great um and hi ellie hey going hi i'm good to be here i'm uh, i'm so glad that you're here kim so a big big welcome and uh when when we start to get to the video situation which sam's fervently mm. working on you'll see that we've all we all got the memo about the uniform we're all in black today oh yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> Got the sober party people top off. Oh, very good as well. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. So where you want me to start at the beginning? You know, what would you like me to do? Start yes. where makes sense to you. Because every time okay. people ask us that question, we end up standing and starting in random places. So whatever <laughs> makes sense to oh, you. So I remember when I was 14 years old and um, I went, I lied to my parents and I went to a party and uh, I asked these guys, to buy me a bottle of Bundy rum and a pack mm-hmm. of Peter Stuyvesant cigarettes. And uh, me and my girlfriends proceeded to drink it and all of them ended up throwing up and, and I didn't. And, um, you know, I had such a high tolerance. Um, got about 14, but I fell over and I gave myself a black eye and I had kind of a scar ever since and stuff. But that, that experience was, looking back, was two things. You know, it's um, my, my dad smoked Peter Stuyvesant cigarettes and drank Bundy rum. You know, that's... The, the sponge thing going on and you know my dad wasn't didn't um, abuse alcohol but you know alcohol was around in our lives every day it's normal we're in Australia that's you know, the Aussie way we have a everyone has a drink after work or a drink every day it's no big deal 
Um, but what, what that did was, you know, at 14, when you're trying to find out who you are and fit in and things like that, you know, getting that black eye um, gave me a lot of status at school. And uh, everyone was talking about me. And, and that reinforced at a really early age that, um, that drinking was cool. And, you know, and even the, the fact that, um, you know, I got this black eye, it didn't really matter. So I, I kind of latched onto that. I was like, oh, yeah, this is, this is my thing, you know. I can, this is going to be who I am. And, and it, kind of, it kind of went on from there, you know. I mean, when you're a teenager, you can't get a hold of drinks that much. You know, I used to go and sneak my parents' drinks, you know, drink cabinet and things like that and then just fill it up with water all the time and stuff. Um, but... I started working quite young in a, in a pub situation at 15. So I used to wipe the tables at the Windsor Hotel in South Perth. And um, so it was very normalised on the weekends to be around alcohol, um, you know, that it was, that's how you earn money and, and that's what people did and that's how you had fun. And so, you know, it, the, the normalisation of all of that from a, from a young age um, was huge and, you know, it's, I remember when I, as soon as I turned 18, I started working behind the bar. And I noticed then that I couldn't stop myself having a drink while I worked. I never got drunk, but I would always have to have a drink. And I noticed that at 18, at 18. And I was like, how come, how come nobody else is like that? Why, why do I need, why do I need that? And I remember that questioning starting kind of at that age, you know. Um, so that was interesting. But, you know, there's no, there's no, thing that I was, um, you know, had an alcohol problem. But, you know, at the same time that, that was kind of rolling on, um, you know, I had at around 16 developed an eating disorder. And uh, I think that's something that a lot of people don't talk about. And it's very predominantly a women-based one. It was bulimia nervosa and I absolutely hate that name. <laughs> it's terrible. Um, but uh, it, it again was a was a coping mechanism um you know it kind of develops because you're you want to look good and and you know you want to fit in and things like that but it very quickly escalated along with kind of the drinking mm -hmm. um you know by the time I was 18 that I realized that it, it was a quite a, a serious problem and and kind of the shame of the drinking of the eating disorder was uh you know there was no real shame of drinking or just drinking on the week but there was a lot of shame around that. And, and I still, in a sense, feel ashamed about it now. It's something that women don't talk about. And it, and it, it goes hand in hand with alcohol. So many people out there that, that it's mm. a huge problem for. Um, but anyway, off I went on my own way. I decided to go travelling. And I thought, oh, that'll be the answer. That'll be the answer to everything. You know, I'll go travelling. I won't, the eating disorder will, will disappear and, you know, off we go. So, um off I went overseas and we, I went to, I went with my best friend and we went to America, went to America, we lived in backpacks and all of that. But um, within probably the first, within three months, um, I was drinking, because I was free, free from, I've left my boyfriend and my family, there was just kind of no control. So I just went kind of crazy and I was just like, oh, I had no, there was no rules. So we pretty much just drank what we wanted every day and just thought that was so cool. But, you know, the eating disorder was there. So I actually had a mental breakdown um, when I was in Seattle and it was incredibly scary. Um, and and I, I remember getting, there was no phones back then. This was like 90s or something. And, um, and so I had to get the yellow pages out 
because I, I couldn't, I wasn't, I couldn't function. I was, it was like I'd, um, I'd lost my ability to think and feel and and even communicate with my friend. And and I was, in, I was really panicked about what was happening. I didn't really know. And this was really the combination of thinking so much and and having this eating disorder that I just didn't have control of at all. And so I looked up in the yellow pages. Get help and I, and I went out to this place on all these buses and I was just like help me I'm, I'm a traveler and give me something and they didn't want to help me and all of that so anyway um in the end what helped was actually going um was telling my best friend and ringing my parents and, and it all kind of came out all this stuff I'd been keeping in and so so it was a big kind of release but and off I went and I kept going, travelling and stuff, because I wasn't, my mum wanted me to come home. I was like, yeah, no way. But really I wasn't able to get a hold of um, the, I didn't really think that drinking was a massive problem back then, the eating disorder and stuff. So I just learned to manage it like I, like I did everything. It was like, well, let's just manage this, you know. And so I did. I just learned to, I wasn't going away, but let's just manage this, you know, and I, and I just thought, well, this is my bag. It's obviously I had no self-control. That was just something that I had, you know, some type of control problem. Um, therefore, let's just try and manage it. And so I did. And so I had a, a really great time traveling the world and doing all this stuff. And yeah, sure, I threw up my food quite a bit and drank a, drank a shitload. Um, and, and, you know, I did a lot of recreational drugs as well. That's a part of my story. Um, and, you know, um, and that's that. But I ended up, because I worked in Canada, I ended up in the UK. Love you guys over there. And and what happened in the UK was, you know, I, I had a very low self-esteem um, because I really thought there was something wrong with me. I had a, you know, a, a relationship where I'd, um, you know, felt really downtrodden. And so I really thought that I was just, you know, different. Um, and, and I was always trying to hide. You know, I was always hiding the eating disorder and I was also trying to hide how much in a, in a way back then how much I was drinking mm. um and you know even though I was doing recreational drugs my girlfriend my best friend said to me one day she was she was a bit worried because I was working in a nightclub um, it was called the, the big bamboo and um there was a lot of drug dealers there so I was hanging out with drug dealers because I thought I was really you know I was doing a lot of you know Stuff like that and she was like listen Kim I'm really worried about you I'm worried about the drug and I remember just looking at her and you never have to worry about the drug but I don't love I don't really love them enough I'm just you know having this experience I said I was 22 at the time I said worry about alcohol and I never forget that I said that to her and I was 22. I kind of knew that I thought about it that, that I kind of had to have a drink every day and stuff and I was working in hospitality at the time a real drinking um, but you know, when I went, when I moved to the UK, I, I moved in with a with a bunch of wonderful people. I met they were English, um, French, um, one Aussie, a couple of Aussies and stuff, and a, and a Swede, and and they really taught me about loving yourself and and about um, about that that they could that people would love me with all my faults, with all the the, the stuff wrong with me and stuff, and 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 that made me start to believe in myself. And, you know, I smoked cigarettes. I was doing it all. <laughs> Smoking, drugs, drinking, you know, throwing out my food. Couldn't get really more defective than me at the time, you know. And I was hiding it all. You know, I was hiding it all. Uh, hiding, you know, the, the, the eating disorder and stuff. We were all just partying at the time. Um, but I read Alan Carr's Easy Way, 
um, it was recommended smoking. And that that was, I think, a big change in my life. That and then kind of these people that I was living with. And and of course I stopped smoking. Believe it. I was just like, whoa, I have the power to think about something differently. And and this was kind of towards the end. And I kind of I've run out of visas by this time. And I was like, you know, on the last legs of my money and stuff. I was like nearly four years. And so I um it inspired me to want to try and get help for the eating disorder to start with. Because I couldn't imagine not living with alcohol. Couldn't imagine it was just off off the card, you know. And and so I um I came back home in the end and very depressed because I was back <laughs> But uh you know, I'd had, a, I'd had an amazing time, amazing time. I loved all my travels. It was, you know, climbed the Himalayas, uh, did everything. Um, and, and I went and got some help and I saw a psychologist, a psychiatrist actually, especially. And I didn't really have a lot of luck there. But what I, what I did do, unfortunately, unfortunately, is I, as I met a man and unfortunately had a lot of narcissistic qualities. Um, but guess what? Because he was so controlling, I stopped eating soda and I even stopped drinking because he controlled my life and because he he had such control over me um I thought oh I, I, that's the answer I lack I lack control I, I'm obviously effective and therefore I needed to stay in this relationship because you know I wanted to get rid of this eating disorder and it stopped because he was controlling everything and I'd even stopped drinking at the time which was, was kind of good you know I was I was into that but you know but of course, you know, I couldn't stay in this relationship forever. I stayed in it for quite a long time, but for those reasons, really, um, amongst others. Um, but, you know, when I eventually broke free from that relationship, um, it was very scary, scary to, um, to go back just thinking, well, here it is, and you're on your own now, you're, and you're, you're this defective person. And, and, of course, yeah, I fell straight back into drinking. But, you know, during... During late twenties and thirties, I still didn't think I didn't consider myself having an alcohol misuse disorder. I was just drinking a lot, um, on the weekends, friends and stuff like that. Um, and 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 I and I learned really to um, I had a really high tolerance, that, you know, so I could drink everyone under the table, and that was really who I was. That was that was me. Um, party Kim, you know, go out, always ready for a glass of wine, always ready to have friends over for drinks and stuff. I mean, and I was the real instigator of, of bringing people together and, um, you know, I had a lot of friends here and stuff. And so, you know, I, I did do a, bit, a fair bit of drinking behind closed doors as well. But, again, you know, I'd gotten into the construction industry. I was doing really well at this time. And, um, and I had a new career path and I was very uh, career driven at this stage. And so, you know, um, I was able to manage it with exercise and stuff. Mm-hmm. And the eating sort of kind of basically gone away by this. It, it kind of come back, eating disorders come and go, but it, it had pretty much gone away, um, which was a good thing. And now this, this kind of drinking was there. So then what happened? What happened really was this that um, I met my now husband and uh, he took a job in the eastern states in Canberra. So we were in Perth, Western Australia at the time, and I, and I didn't want to go home because <laughs> I didn't want to leave my friends and my, you know, good time weekends and all of that. But, but off we went, and um, he worked away a lot, and I and I was on my own, and I was terribly lonely. Um, I didn't know anybody. 
Um, and so, you know, drinking was my friend and drinking was my companion. And I didn't really know what else to do because I'd always lived this kind of travel, fun life and I didn't, drinking was my hobby. Um, I was, you know, if I wasn't with friends having a drink, I was, you know, with other friends having a drink. That was, you know, what I did. Um, and here was nothing. And there's a lot of time. And then, you know, added on to that was a very uh, stressful big job. I got promoted very quickly. Um, so, you know, my life was still together. And that, but I, I knew at this point that um, I was really starting to hide the alcohol, starting to hide it a lot. And, uh, and the shame, there's a lot of shame there. And, and a lot of fear because every time my husband would go away, I was like, the, the just the overwhelming urge to drink would just take over my mind. And it was like, oh, how am I gonna, how am I gonna deal with this? Well, what am I gonna do? Okay, well that's right. You you don't have proper control, Kim. You know, you need to try and control your life more. So I was trying to control my life more in every way, become very controlling. And I was like, well, how can I manage? So how, how can I do it so that I'm not falling over drunk and I can still keep my job and try and exercise and stuff? So I had all these kind of plans in place, you know, good project management, planning it all, you know, because I, I didn't, couldn't imagine my life without drinking. And, and that kept me stuck. I couldn't imagine my life without drinking. I couldn't imagine being different, different to my friends. Uh, 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 it was it was who I was. I have the strongest mirror neurons out of out of anyone. I'm a chameleon. If you're doing something, I'm doing it. You know, if, if you're having a wine, of course I'm having a wine with you. We're going to finish off. You know, it's like mm. of course we are. Um, and and it was it was that that kept and I started to go down and I started to go down. Now in between all this, so I, I went and got pregnant. Which was a miracle in itself because you know, it was very difficult. I, I had, had a lot of trouble getting pregnant. I'm an old mum. I'm 47 and I've got a six and an eight-year-old now. So I have a last one when I was about 41. And anyway, when I got pregnant, I stopped drinking completely. I didn't have one, one glass. And it was like it was the best thing that ever happened to me. And I just was so happy and, and free and and I, I started doing things. I started to learn guitar and doing all the reading all these books because I, I knew I it's like you know being in jail or something in, in a beautiful way because you know again it was a control thing that the baby you know had control and 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 that was just amazing and I, I remember so many times when you know I was still working during the pregnancy that you know I would, I would have uh, very stressful times you know and a lot of anxiety and stuff. And I remember thinking, gosh, if I wasn't pregnant right now, I'd be drinking right now. And I, I remember thinking, God, don't do this when you have the baby. Don't, you know, this is it. You've done nine months. You're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. But as soon as the baby was born, I remember being in the hospital and somebody had brought us a bottle of wine into the hospital. And I had a brand new newborn and no one was around. And had gone home and stuff. And I, I remember seeing the bottle over there. And it was like, I wonder if anyone in the nurse had it. So... And I managed to get over to the hospital and bring it over, hide it somewhere. Anyway, had the little cup and I was having a little drink. Anyway, I finished the bottle, finished the bottle, and nobody noticed. I think I had chewing gum with me. The nurses didn't say anything. 
I don't know. And I look back now and I think, oh, my God, it's just crazy. As soon as the baby was out, that's how, that's how strong it was. And, and, you know, this poor baby, and you're trying to justify it in your head, you know, oh, oh it's all right, you only had one or two glasses. You know, that's equivalent to X, Y, Z in your blood, you know, because you're trying to eat or something. And, and then, then there was this whole juggle about how to breastfeed the child before you've had, you know, drink and, or have the drink while you're breastfeeding because it hasn't gone into your blood yet. And then you pump some more and then you can freeze it and so you can keep having a drink. And it was all about juggling the baby around when you're going to have a drink. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. mental. And you know what, though? So many people I know are the same. I remember talking to my best friend about it. It was like, so I'm, like, women talk about these things, about how to, how to juggle this. But, um, yeah, and, and, of course, you know, then you, so then you've got two little babies and you know, I have two and, and you've got this drinking problem and I really knew I had a problem then. So I hide it as you should. Then you decide to go back to work and, and, and the, the pressure and the anxiety. I had, I had a big job, a senior project manager in construction. There's a lot of pressure and you're trying to do it part-time and it's a full-time role and, and the kids are sick and, and you're, I just look back and I just think, holy shit. How did you even do that? How did you do it? And my husband was white at the time. He used to go overseas. He worked, <laughs> he worked for, it's so funny, like, I'm out. I'll tell you, like, I ended up going to AA and stuff, and he worked for Athletics Australia, and that was also the acronym AA. And I just thought it was so idiosyncrasy. It was like, I was in AA, and he was working with elite athletes, you know, for AA. And we'd go sometimes, oh, is that your AA or my AA? <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, look, I had um, I had to have, you know, I had to have some rock bottoms. And, and my rock bottoms are, are nothing. I mean, uh, the writing, I could see I was on the train and it was heading into a dark tunnel and it was just a matter of time until I was going to happen. And it was, you know, the kids, something because he was away all the time. And as soon as he'd get on that plane, I'd, I'd start drinking and try to manage how much I'd drink while I wasn't. I was never fall down drunk. I was always, you know, steady as she goes. But I had to have, just, I just had to have it. And there was all this time by myself with the children. Um, and so anyway, there was probably two big instances that that, that, that changed me that I had to. And, and the first one was one night. My husband was home. Um, it was actually he actually woke me up in the morning, and he, he this. He's like, "Hey, wake up." So do you remember last night? And I remember just waking up in bed and I looked at him and I looked down and I was just like, I can't remember. What did I do? What did I do? Did I, did I get dressed up and go out night clubbing randomly? <laughs> Meet my babies for little and stuff. Like, I burned the house down anyway. I started, started crying. Like, tears were rolling down my face. I knew something bad had happened and um, I cry now. <laughs> And um, he just said, you were you were drunk and you fell asleep on the couch. And we had little sand in your arms on the couch and you let him go. And he fell to the floor, screaming, screaming the house down. And I didn't wake up. And I didn't wake up. And, uh, and he was there. He was there to pick up the baby. Um, but, you know, that scenario could be because he was away all the time. He was away for like two or three months at a time. And I knew that that was it. That was time. 
and you know, and he left and went to work. And do you know what I did? I thought, right, this is it. This is the thing I've been waiting for. This is the the, the rock bottom I've been waiting for. And I went straight over to the cupboard, and I think we still had one or two bottles of mine. I drank most of our good wine, and I opened the bottle and I drank the whole thing. So I'd, I'd kind of gone into shock. And I was like, well, that's it. Drink your last bottle of wine, Kim. You know. <laughs> And I, and I took myself off and I was able to um, get in to see a drug and alcohol counsellor at first. Um, and then after that, I went to a psychologist for a long time. Um, and look, these are all parts of the journey. And each one, you know, was a learning curve. But um, it was it was stop-start drinking then. And, and I wasn't really seeing anyone who had specialised in drinking because it, it was, I was lucky enough. I had to wait to just see a psychologist. And, you know, AA was just off at that time. I was like, no, no way, no way I was going to AA. So anyway, and I, you know, I had these two little babies and stuff and I was trying to take them in. Anyway, I ended up eventually back at square one and, you know, I was hiding. And because I'd come out to my husband now, it's like, yes, I have a drinking problem, okay, you know. Well, the shame, the shame, the shame, the hiding. I can't just tell you how ashamed I was um anyway then there was kind of the second big one and um I kind of I I was gonna I decided all right I'm gonna go on some naltrexone um because I've heard about this stuff and so I went to my doctor I got some naltrexone and and off I went um anyway then I don't remember then two days went by and I um remember all I remember was being incredibly sick in bed I was projectile vomiting um, because uh, obviously I'd gone and had a last hurrah on a vodka and I'd never forget uh, being sick in bed and just crying and crying and crying and thinking, what? Who am I? I- I'm not even a person anymore. I- I'm I'm not even a quarter of a person. This is just a stuff. I-, I How could this happen to me? I- I'm, a, I'm a professional. I've got... It's, I've got a, and like, um, I had no trauma. I had no major trauma, you know. It's only, I wanted, I wanted to have trauma. I wanted something bad to have happened so that I had a, I had a reason. You know, I remember some friends asking me once, so I kind of confided in. And they were like, well, what, what happened? What happened to you to, you know, obviously something's happened. I was like, well, I like to party a lot. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. And I, I felt ashamed. I felt shame for drinking. I felt ashamed that I had this problem and, I, and, I, and it made me want to hide it even more. So I, I, then that, I remember that morning I got up and I, and I went to work and I opened my car boot and inside was all this Ikea furniture. I had gone to Ikea after drinking all this, I think it was vodka, and I'd gone and bought all this furniture. I have no memory of it and been driven home and then been sick for a weekend. Anyway, I was like, well, that's it. So I took myself off to AA. So AA is a part of my story. And uh, and I I had to go by myself. There was no one there supporting me or anything. And and I walked through those doors and, again, like, just just, uh, get crying. Like, how had my life come to this? How how I ended up in AA? And it was the, you know, it's the best and worst thing that ever happened. Um, So, you know, People came and put their arms around me and and gave me support, but I still felt shame, felt shame that I was there because I had to hide it, you know. And I, I did, I didn't care what they told me to do. I'd do whatever. They did. And you know, some of those steps at AA are great, 
some of those steps are great, uh, you know, and I see a lot of similarities. I mean, I'm a yoga teacher now and, um, you know, the, the gratitude and, and the helping others and, you know, step mm. four and five about, you know, looking at, you know, your resentments and finding out where, what your part in them is. Mm. Mm. Everyone should do that, you know, mm. but, but there was a lot of stuff I personally, and I'm not, I'm never going to bag AA. In fact, I, I think it's, definitely right for some people they need to they need to go they need that everyday support you know they really get down that pointy end you know I, I didn't like calling myself an alcoholic I hated it I, I did it I said it I respect the program and and that and that I felt that I was effective and I, I used to say to myself why, why is it that when I read Alan Carr's book I could be free from smoking you don't call yourself a smokeaholic you know I could and everyone celebrated oh you Stop and yeah, yeah. The alcohol, I have to hide it for the rest of my life. Now I have to hide, I have to hide the fact that I don't drink and I have to hide who I am. And now I have to let go of, of this fun side of me. And you have to live in this realm of doom. I felt I felt doomed and it was really depressing. Um so but what they did, the brilliant thing told me to do and and I still have friends there you know hello all if you're listening um was I say go and listen to listen to podcasts so I didn't like all the AA ones they were really cut they were too gaudy for me um yeah good on you feel like I I I believe in the universe and we all have our own beliefs which is great but then I found Annie Grace this naked mind and so that was like four years ago it's probably just start of doing the podcast so um and by God, I remember when I started listening to them. I was like, I was addicted to them. <laughs> I was like, I used to have to travel to work and um, to rural places. So I was doing a whole lot of hospitals at the time. And I would just, I would load up like 20 and I just listened to them, listened to them. And it was like, it was like I was Charlie in the chocolate factory and I had the golden ticket now. And, and I had, had all these answers and it was like, oh, there's nothing wrong with you. You, this is the this is information I needed the knowledge I needed mm. to understand how my brain worked and it just clicked over this this release in me you go there's nothing wrong with you Kim this is how addiction works and it can happen to anyone it doesn't matter if you didn't have trauma mm. so understanding the dopamine cycle and 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 you know how my brain has changed over time was just uh, just set me free. It set me free, and and that's really when I started to. I knew straight away that I wanted to be a distinctive mind coach. I was like, if I could do anything in the future one day, you know, I have a big career job and stuff. I knew I could do that, but but that that just set me free. And then you know, I, I read the book and stuff like that. But, um, but it, what it did, even though I think. Even though I wasn't drinking, I had a few. I'd had a few goes at drinking again, you know, um, just to try it, and I'd gone straight downhill, you know. But, um, but it it changed how I felt about myself, and it gave me life back. It gave me my pizzazz and my my party, my myself. It was like I, I didn't have to divorce myself of of life anymore. Mm. Of of yeah still be the person who I am mm -hmm. and I think that's what's led me on to be just this uh, wanting to champion this to other people they you know life 
is so much better and, and so much more fun. But this is the steps that you need to take. You know, it's, it is a journey. It's mm. a journey. Do these bits, and then, and then you know, and then all of a sudden, your world starts to open up, and again, and and, and you, you find out who you really are again, and, and stuff like that. So you know, because I, I was so depressed that I would never dress up as Elvis again. Um, because I love dressing up and going to lots of festivals for the Elvis festival. You know, the first one I did sober was uh, was so interesting. It was so yeah. it was it was it was great. Like, you know. Um, it, was, it was good. It was weird. It was weird uh, that I realised that yes, I really do love dressing up as Elvis and putting on all my all my stuff. Mm. That, so, mm. oh yeah. So that that's that's really where I'm at. And then I've gone on. You know, um, this year I, I well last year I, I moved back to Perth from the Eastern States and and I took this opportunity to um, to to restudy. So I've I've really just parked. I consult back to the construction industry now for, for alcohol and mm. and culture. Being able to help um, our industry, you know, or really any industry, but but bring about some education in a, in a really non-confrontational way, and, and talk about what it feels like to have a drinking problem and, and, and be hiding that, and how we can make it easier in our workplace, and and start to normalise not drinking, whether you drink or not drink. You know, mm. it, it doesn't matter. Stop questioning this. You know, Aussie and UK culture are very similar. Big. Yeah drinking culture and stuff and 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 if you don't drink you know well there's something wrong with you and oh you have a drink yeah you know come on so you know that, that that's one big part of it that and, and to and to give people some inspiration you know around around how good you're gonna how good you can feel and and that you still can be who you are and it's actually better it was like I, I'm like way more fun, and I have, I have more social events now than I ever did. Drink. And and you know, and I remember everyone's name, and you know, and I just get excited about life now. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's one of the main things. When you realise that um, actually you can socialise more, feel better doing it, and uh, you know, not have to spend hours and hours recovering every time. It's uh, it's crazy. Like. Yeah, you can be way you yeah. can be completely wild um thank you so much for sharing that i um it's kind of trippy for me to listen to that story because uh the 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 part of your story through your 20s and 30s there are so many parallels with mine in terms of recreational drug use going away traveling um it, i haven't opened up a lot about eating stuff which i've been meaning to do because i know it's important for a guy to do it as well but I had an experience, um, you know, that, that ties into OCD when I was a teenager and then that developing over my twenties. And perhaps we could talk about that on a, on a different podcast, Kim, that would be amazing, but it's really almost kind of crazy for me to hear that because, Mm. and to come full circle and to realize that like the first time I went to Portugal and did a week long festival a couple of years ago before all the COVID stuff, I had so much fun and I was struck by these realizations of like, it seems wild to me to think that I could have been in 44 degree heat like dehydrating myself feeling like shit when I'm having so that full that coming full circle of like returning to that spirit like the the kind of like raver spirit or whatever it was that, yeah, yeah. that we used to have but and it yeah. coming and it and it being not only still being there but actually being enhanced um yes and then that interweaving with you know I teach yoga as well and all this it kind of crazy for me to sit and listen to your story I really enjoyed that it was really really yeah. weird so that's so cool Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. There's a, you know, I feel braver before 
I'm yeah, so uh, yeah, well, that's it. That's it. So I still like electronic music is such a part of my soul, and it always yeah. will be. And I didn't want to give it up. And I've often mm. said to Ellie, I wasn't prepared to. So I think along the journey, there were maybe data points that might not have happened, and all these things. But actually, it wasn't good enough for me to be like, well, you can just never go to a festival, or you can't do this. I was like, no, I want to do that. Like, yeah. I do not want this to be. I want my life to be bigger, not smaller. Like this is the That's whole right. point of this. Mm-hmm. Um, so to That's hear right. other people having that experience is so inspiring. It's so cool. That's right. That's right. And you know, uh, I think and with the stuff that you know we learned, I've learned and stuff. It, it was kind of critical for me. I was like, oh, just do each experience once. You know, get in there and do it once. Don't wait um, because that first time, yeah, okay, it might not be as exciting and all that as you want it to be, but it won't be that bad. And then once you do it, once this, I have this photo, it's called three times for fun times. Um, I put it on my, on my Facebook stuff. I'm so party people. It's like three times for fun times. Just get in there and do that one once. The second time you do it, you can have a really good time. The third time, yeah. everyone will think you're off your face. Everyone thinks I'm really pissed and stuff. Because <laughs> I'm like, oh, man, it's like, oh, come on. In fact, I'm waiting for everyone to like get on it so that they, or they lose all their inhibitions. That's <laughs> like, true. Oh, come on, guys, hurry up. You know, I can't wait for you. <laughs> Yeah, it's so bed. true. I uh, I quite often when I'm dancing, people will come up and ask me, "What? Are, what? You know, what are you on, mate?" I'm like, "Fresh air, not a lot." To be honest with you, it's quite funny. But, yeah. yeah. Oh, a bit of Coca Cola. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm like. I always have like, I know it sounds terrible. I do. I have I have like sugary caffeine drinks. That's my that's my new buzz. That's your go to. You know? Yeah, yeah, that's my go to. It's awesome. I I love the three times for fun times. It's a really good tactic. It is because I think that so often. We, because we have these wonderful brains that do a lot of thinking, we overthink things and yeah. we create the reality that we think we're going to live in. And it may bear no bloody resemblance, but once you've started overthinking something, it can be much harder to break down those layers. You know, you've already, I was talking to a lady yesterday, highly anxious, and it's all, it's all coming from her thinking. And once it's, yes. it's like this snowball, once you've set it in motion from the first thought, it's like, I was giving her an example of like how I'd gone from this um, one thought and then it like, it became this whole, like, you know, this gigantic thing. And it's like, th- th- this hasn't even happened and might never yeah. happen, but it all yeah. comes from this, this one thought. The, um, the theme that I think is really interesting in your story and, and, Samson, thank you so much for sharing it with us. Like, it, there, there's so much, so many facets to your story. The thing that I think is really interesting is this kind of theme of like control and, you know, the, the, the two causes of human suffering clinging and craving. And it's like all of the time that you were gripping and grasping and controlling and managing and planning and like, you weren't allowed to be yourself. And as soon as you had like the Alan Carr thing's really interesting to have yeah. this, like this chink of light, this opening of possibility mm-hmm. and the empowerment yeah. that that gave you and the parallel that you described between uh, smoking and drinking. So it's like, yeah. you know, the, the, the two methods feeling very, so you're effectively doing the same thing. You're removing a drug mm-hmm. from your life, but it can feel so different because of the way that you're approaching it and the emotion that comes along with it. So, yeah. you know, yeah. the, the difference between being empowered and celebrating it versus I have to hide this and it's shameful. 
it's exactly it, exactly and and that was you know for for quite a few years of, of really trying to not drink and knowing that I had I had to stop and I had a problem was just sh- more shame it was like well yeah you're damned you keep drinking there's shame there you gotta hide that and, but you know you get to die eventually or you know do something to your kids or you lose your job eventually or something or you can stop drinking and then well, feel more shame and have to hide the fact that you're not drinking for the rest of your life and uh, pretend that you're drinking. All those things, pretending and all of that. And that's why, that's why the culture comes into it. You know, that's why we need to be working together. Oh, there's nothing wrong. Let's celebrate anyone that doesn't drink. You know, let, let's rid of this shame. Mm. Anyone can become addicted to alcohol. You don't need to have trauma. And if you do, good, let's, you need to get specific help for that. And, and then, you know, I mean, I remember thinking that when I stopped drinking, that my life would be perfect. I thought, oh, if I just stopped drinking, everything would be perfect. Yeah, great. I have no anxiety anymore. I'll be able to do everything and, and all of that. But, you know, it, it is a journey. And, um, and you know, when I did stop drinking, great. The alcohol abuse anxiety went away and that was really good. But then... I had to start dealing with my feelings and emotions and things like that. And then I actually had more. My anxiety started to grow, just like you talked about, Elliot. So like it starts to grow from this thing. And that's why then I started looking for that because I don't have a tool anymore that I can't drink alcohol. Yes. What do you do? You know, and I think that's what's led me down this more of a, this yoga and, mm. and mindfulness meditation and, and exploring even spirituality um, and all of these types of stuff to be able to really understand how the mind and body work together. Mm. And now, and now, really, you know, I, I still, I, I, what I call it is, I have normal levels of anxiety now. Um, whereas before, I was uh, permanently switched, even when I stopped drinking, um, and it wasn't a good way to be. Mm. Um, so, you know, it's it's interesting, and I and I use a lot of these things with my clients and stuff. Like I do um, yoga and ice bathing and, and breath work and stuff. Really, really beneficial for, for certain people. Um, yeah. So I was just going to say it's a really different access point as well. So it, ha- it has a completely different energy attached to it when it's coming from that place of self inquiry and um, uh like searching for your own is inner wisdom. It's like, I know that there's an answer to this and I'm going to go and find it with, with clarity as opposed to the thing that, the thing that resonated so highly with me is when you're talking about your children and pregnancy and you said that it's like, it's the best thing that happened to you because the, the deci- it's like the decision's no longer yours. It's like, oh, well, I, I know I'm not drinking for nine months. So what am I going to do? I'm going to, um, develop myself personally and yeah. so you got into yeah. and th- th- I had exactly the same experience I was just so like amazed at this this thing that was happening and it kind of it just took it off the table but that's back in that realm of control like there's some element of control around it because that's of right. course when you get beyond nine months the lid comes off and that Ooh. that uh, element that you were talking about in um in the breastfeeding um world mm-hmm. Is, I mean, that's so dear to my heart. I, um, I volunteer for a local breastfeeding charity. Um, we provide skilled breastfeeding support free to local families. Right. And 
you know, that, uh, that, that's, I mean, that's a massive podcast just in itself talking about, you know, the importance of uh, breastfeeding. Um, but it's, it's a really tricky period to manage. So my, with my first child, like I had no idea how long I was going to breastfeed for. And mm. so I banked the, like, I'm not going to drink for nine months, but hang on mm. a minute, how long is this going to go on for? And then just mm. as you say, it's all of that complication of, well, what if I have the drink now and then the baby doesn't need the milk until, mm. like, can, can I fit a drink in here or not? Or am I going to have to pump some milk and then pump some milk beforehand yep. and build up a store? And then I'm going to have to pump during because I don't want to get um, engorged. Mm. And mm. it, it was such, for me, it was such a time of, like, decision-making and mm. energy used up, yeah. just trying, like you said, trying to manage something. Yes. Just, just yes. to be able to have a drink. Yeah. And yeah. With my first child, I remember getting to the point of like, holy God, like I, I, don't, I haven't got the energy for this. Like I physically can't do it. But I wouldn't yeah. have considered myself as far down the road with uh, alcohol at that time. So yeah. looking at it as a trade off, it was kind of easy to say, all right, I, just, I, I can't do this. I can't do this. I'm just not yeah. going to drink until, you know, she stops feeding. But yeah. with subsequent pregnancies and subsequent children, like the, um, when I had, I had my two um, subsequent children I had at home and after I had, uh, it I think it would have been the last one, it was Noah, I had Noah and she was born in here, this is like a room that's separate um, in the garden yeah. from the main house, yeah. so she was born in here yeah. and then after the midwives had left and what have you, I went up to my own bedroom and rested and all the rest of it mm. and my neighbour came round um middle of the day to meet the baby and congratulations and hello yeah. and when she walked into my bedroom I'm there with baby in arms and she she giggled and I'm like, what on earth is she laughing at and on my nightstand next to me was this chilled glass it was a really hot summer it's my chilled glass of my favorite wine and it's like that's that's, <laughs> that's, that's my reward so when you were talking yeah. about the wine in that it's like yeah. well yeah <laughs> sure yeah you know if, if ever I deserve a reward it's now and then yeah. like with, with mm -hmm. Noah it was uh like with both Chester my middle one and Noah that I, I had a very difficult time postnatally hormonally yeah. it was really really tricky and uh trying to manage that like I th this precious child like I, I yeah. there is no way I want to harm this child yeah. but how yeah. the fuck do I manage yeah. when the only self-care that I have is, is wine. And I That's mean, right. you, you, when you described the moment that, you know, your, your husband was, and oh, I'm going to go again. When your husband was describing to you what happened, yeah. like that was my greatest fear. It was always my greatest fear because I, because I was breastfeeding and um, we'd often end up co-sleeping because you know, they're, they're, they're attached to you and even if you don't mean to co-sleep and you mm. you know the, the the thing that you're always um told is like you know the the, the worst sin that you could cast is falling asleep with your child on the sofa mm. you're exhausted you're strung mm. out like yeah. It, yeah you haven't slept anyway because of the kids but it doesn't matter exactly. heaven knows um, I probably drank a bottle and a, a half of wine at least but, you know, I mean, I remember uh, many nights when my husband was away that I would, uh, you know, wake up at 2 a.m. 
you know, the anxiety. And then I'd get out and I'd check on the kids. Like, how did I change their clothes? What were they wearing? Could I remember what I cooked last night? How I cleaned up the kitchen? I, I couldn't yeah. remember. And it was just constant fear, constant yes. fear. And it's training. It, it's exhausting. I mean, you're exhausted anyway because you've got these little children. Um, and and your husband just, away. So it's all, on, husband it's away. all on you. Yeah. And, and no friends, no family. And, I, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it's so so and, bloody hard and and when you've got you know it's like well all I knew was to drink like this is mm-hmm. the thing so it's like I didn't know anything else I couldn't just go and oh yeah I'll just go start some yoga courses now I've got yeah. a six-month-old baby I had nobody to take the baby and I, you know you can't really get babysitters the little babies and stuff you are trapped mm-hmm. I, I I was trapped everywhere I went but it's just like there was no answers and so I kept going right well we'll manage this it's, Manage this, you know, it's too shameful to deal about it. Get more control. You need to manage it. And you're you're totally, I felt totally trapped kind of in, in every way that I and also you couldn't imagine, well, if I didn't have this reward, mm-hmm. how would I get the we, how would I get through the day, the night, you know, the thing at the end yeah, that, exactly. the, the reward. Um, you know, that that goes away when you stop drinking over time. You know, I don't need rewards um like that 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 real that real dopamine drive of you have something mm. and really you know going through the, probably that first year uh, of not having anything I just remember always when I wasn't when I started to not drink this was just real willpower I'd come home or I'd be at home and I'd just be hanging on hanging on to the bench you know because I, I couldn't have a drink I didn't know what to do with this overwhelming sense of just feeling overwhelmed and anxiety yeah. or whatever I don't know it's just all this emotion you know and there's no release yeah. there's no release and nobody understands mm-hmm. I felt just completely isolated um it's horrible okay there, there are going to be so many women listening to this that are in this exact situation that you and you and I have both mm-hmm. lived that and it's horrendous what what's the one thing that you would want somebody to know that's that so that is back right where you were with the husband that's away, everything falling, no social support, strung out, sleep deprived, energy drained from breastfeeding and all of the stuff. What, what would you say to them? It's not your fault. This is how it works in your brain. There is nothing wrong with you. Uh, there is nothing wrong with you. Like this is how alcohol and anything that works on our dopamine, giving us too much um, dopamine in our systems. Um, and and that, that to, to go and get help, there's nothing wrong. Get, get rid of all that shame. Get rid of it all. Yeah, you need to go and ring up, start with your doctor if you need to. You know, there's lots of people, coaches, that just grab you when you need to. Mm. You know, um, don't keep, don't wait. Don't wait because what if something does happen, you know, if... You know, if something happens to your child, you could never forgive yourself. I feel like I felt like I was about playing Russian roulette. You know, yes, after I'm yeah. I remember, I remember once I I thought, oh, I'm okay. Oh, I had to go and collect something from a long distance, and I had, had put the kids in the car. There was nobody else to take. They were really little. And then I started driving, and then I realised I had to close one eye because I couldn't see straight. I couldn't see straight, and I was like, I remember just going, "You're playing Russian roulette, Kim." You're, you are, yeah, you, 
you're an idiot. Oh my God, like this terrible self-talk and then just get through, just make it through, just make it through, never drink and drive again, never drink and drive again. And I don't think I did after that. I think I really scared myself, but mm. it happens all the time. I've, I've had things. I've got friends. You know, you make yeah, you make excuses. I made excuses with the breastfeeding. Oh, it's only one glass. Oh, it's two glasses. Like she's in your head about how much that, you know, in your blood. Oh, it's not really hurting the baby, you know. Um, don't wait. And, and, and reach out. Like, um, just talking about it. It's a release. It's a release. There's, there's, there's the shame. Get rid of the shame. And be be vulnerable, open up. It'll be a weight off your shoulders. And there's a lot of help out there. A lot of help. Mm. Powerful. Powerful. There's so much more room outside your head than in it, I always say. So the moment you start speaking your truth, you just get room where there wasn't room before. And uh, that's when you have moments of clarity, is when when falling when thinking falls off your mind and, you know, from the yoga perspective, we know it's about peeling back, but it's subtractive. You peel back the layers to the place where you're always okay, that we all have access to. We're made of that. Mm. Um, and in just talking, like the deep release that that can give you and the, the ability of just bringing things from the unconscious and making them conscious, the moment you see them, the moment they shift, yes. sometimes you can break beliefs just by acknowledging that they exist, like just being yeah. truly. So when I, you know, when I coach people one on one, I always move through, you know, get honest and then get real. And so getting honest is like we got it like there's nothing here to hide. We're going to get mm. this all out in a safe space and then we're going to get real about what's actually going on. And just that process is so mm. powerful. It's so powerful. So it is. Uh, I always say the, I, yeah, I always say the only way is through. Like you have yeah. to be able to bring up the feeling and be able to sit with that feeling and find out what's driving this and what lies under underneath. And it, I, it's like having a balloon that you're holding underwater, and it's and that. it's there. And you can you can push it to one side, and you can push it here, and it, it's still there. You have to be able to release it up, be able to look at it, and then you're able to pop and. That, that release is hard you don't want to you don't want to feel but it's about being getting comfortable with feeling those feelings in a non-reactive way and yeah and being honest about your situation because you're not the only one there's loads of us out here yeah. <laughs> yeah. done it all come and talk to me in there <laughs> and that's the thing about talking to somebody who specializes in this that's been through it you know you're not going to a room to talk to someone who's going home to have a glass of wine that night and you know because there's a huge difference between constant reliving a reliving a shame story and like you feel like what you think you're doing is you're processing an emotion what you're actually doing is keeping it alive through a story in your head and being skilled enough to know when that's happening versus actually allowing something to flow through you so you can burst the balloon like as you put it is um is different it's a different thing and without without someone standing outside of us pointing us in a certain direction sometimes it can be really really difficult to know when we're doing one or the other kim how do yeah. people like your story like i you know i know that so many people so many levels people are going to want to learn more about you and what yes. you're up to and what you're doing so yes. take us through that stuff tell us what you're up to where people can find you all that all that cool stuff 
Oh, oh, yeah. Well, my main professional business um, is Reconstruct Drinking. That's um, info at reconstructdrinking.com. Um, so that's where um, you can find out about the educational culture change um, for industry. Um, I specialise in construction. That's my history, but I do do all. Uh, really, it's a, it's a talk for anyone, anyone in the workplace to be able to be non-confrontational get some information out there to encourage us to, to work together um, with alcohol and, and making um, not drinking normal. Um, and, and it doesn't matter what, I say, it doesn't matter what's in your glass. You know, it's, it's no thanks, no worries. If you don't want to drink, it's no worries. Mm. Don't question. Um, then, uh, so I run a Facebook group uh, called Sober Party People. See, t-shirts happening here. <laughs> Mm. Um, and that's just me having fun. So we, um, I'm in WA, so I've got people from all over the world on it. But um, we do, so I do social events and really it's, I just want to show people, I want to help show people that you can have just as much, if not more fun, um, being, not drinking, having a goal for your life. Life's not over. It's just beginning. It just begins. Just, just get on that journey. And you've got to give it a go. And by, you know, people need people. I'm a real people person. I'm very touchy-feely, all of that. So I love getting together face-to-face, you know, if you can, and, and going out. And, you know, I'm just about, I've got one coming up, Bingo Loco. It's, it's a rave bingo. <laughs> it's going to be so much fun. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, 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 it's rave bingo. Uh, anyway, I've got a group of sober girls going out. I think it's one guy come. Um, yeah, but, you know, it, it's that camaraderie that, you know, and when we go, we don't even talk about alcohol. We're just having a bloody good time. And 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 that's what it's, that's what it's all about. Um, then I've got, and then we've got the retreat side of it. So that's really bringing in my yoga stuff. So I do, you know, I've got the one-on-one coaching. You can get me through reconstructing thing for one-on-one coaching. I mean, it, that's quite tailored towards construction, but I actually do talk, have a lot of women um, with food um, and the narcissistic relationships um, that, that I coach, as well as men. Um, and, you know, I do uh, the Zoom stuff, but I also do uh, things at my house. So I bring in a lot of my yoga to my to my therapy, so as well as, well as the one-on-one coaching. Um, either online or here, I've got like a little Bali backyard going on. We do yoga and breath work and ice bath and meditation so I really enjoy all the meditation and um, you know, trance hypnotherapy kind of stuff which really assists people with with the what what next when, you, when you're going through that transition stage when your dopamine's come down and your cravings it's like this is this gaping hole sometimes that you feel and it's like well what do I do this and so this helps people transition from okay, I'm not drinking now. They're you know, getting to that point, and then yes, there are these things we can do, and we can help quiet our mind, and 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 then with quieting our mind, then we can go and have fun afterwards too. You know that type of stuff. And so then yeah, so I've got um uh, 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 transform habits Australia. So that's that's coming up new. So the um, the Facebook pages is coming up live. So we're providing um, habit transformation retreats uh, for people. So it's going to start in Western Australia, and then uh, we're still in a bit of a bubble at the moment, but it will um, eventually go to overseas. Um, where me and I've got a partner. She's a, a mental health nurse and also a coach, um, a habit uh, a habit coach, 
and together, so she brings a lot of the clinical side into it as well. And together we provide providing retreats. And it was something that I always felt was missing for me because I wasn't bad enough for rehab. And so when I had these two little babies and stuff, and I was like, I just, I just wanted to get away and mm. and feel like I could get away, that it was I could justify the cost because it was a holiday and you know, I could get a massage and that it, it was alcohol free and I could learn something. I, I, there was there's nothing available. And so this is this is what it's about, and it's really I'm driving it from my what was lacking for me because um, there's so much there's there's lots of stuff for people who are really bad, but all of us that fit into that that side of the bell curve, you know, mm. um, it, it, being able to get away for a week and and have the holiday and yet 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 and and be away from the alcohol and learn. Learn about your mind. Learn about what's going on. Um, yeah, it's just it'll be it's magic. It's a bit of magic. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> so cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. That's so cool to hear about all those exciting things. And um, yeah, Kim, I have a funny feeling we'll be asking you to come back on. There's a f- oh, that'd be fantastic. Fair, fair few things that we'd like to to riff on and and talk with you. Yeah, about. yeah, yeah. I've got to put I've got to put my little hat on first. This is my. Oh yeah. Take this off. It's a visual so if, uh, whilst we're still listening it. you're gonna have to hold out this to, will be on the highlight my, reel um, yeah yeah, we'll yeah. Be on the highlight reel for sure I'll take the <laughs> yes look at that um <laughs> there's a little story around this though like i, I don't even got much time, but um when i when i stopped drinking probably the first time uh probably i, I was at this loss i didn't have any hobbies because all my hobby was drinking and so, you know, I started, I had to go back to when I was about 12 and there was a, um, a friend's grandmother who used to teach us craft. So I was like, oh, well, I'll, I'll start doing some craft. I don't know, I've got to have a hot, I had a hot glue gun. And I started getting on Pinterest and, and looking at stuff. And so I started making all these headdresses. Um, I've got another one here. Swing. Yeah. Um, and, 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 I, and I I use them, it says, I dress myself. Um, uh, and... Oh God, it's been so much fun. I just love making these things. But it was a part of my therapy in a sense to myself to be able, yeah. it's, it's meditation in a way, whatever that is, whether you play guitar or, you know, the craft or something, maybe it's golf. It's that place that you can go that you quiet, quiet your mind and you're able just to have focus and feel like, you know, you're creating something. I was easily able to you know, create my first ones. Anyway, they were terrible. <laughs> I was going to say they look great. Yeah, yeah, no, they are. They've, they've been to many party those ones. <laughs> <laughs> um, and they get me in the mood, you know. Uh, me and dress ups go like that, you know. So that's my one of my mood busters. Yeah, check it out on my website. I've got like the, the ten hot, hot tips on how to how to go and party. <laughs> so awesome. Oh, okay. Yeah. Thank you so so much. Um, and uh, if you're listening and we haven't got the video out yet, go and check out the uh, the reel so you can see see these wonderful, <laughs> beautiful headdresses. Oh, Kim, you're a you're a superstar. Thank you so much. Oh, it's been us. fun. Thank you so much, guys. I really enjoyed. Thanks for listening to my story. There you go. What an awesome episode. Make sure you check out the highlight reel so you can go and see Kim's awesome headdress. Very, very cool. And uh, yeah, like what what a story. And if you're interested in any of Kim's um, kind of links or anything like that, check them out in the show notes. Now, between me and you, there might be some really exciting things coming up over the course of the next few weeks. Getting ready for our one year anniversary in a couple of months time. There might be some different ways to access the podcast. Don't tell anyone. Just possibly 
you know, a few things. But if you really want to find things out first, if you want first dibs on things, get yourself in our Facebook group because, uh, yeah, we love it in there. It's great fun. We're always going to be, essentially, we're always going to talk about things first in there because um, on the Q&As and stuff that we do, that's where we tend to uh, announce things. And, of course, you're always going to hear about it here. But if you want to get super, super first dibs, come and get in that Facebook group where you can check out all of the cool stuff that's going on and a bank of old Q&As as well. That's loads of stuff to keep you busy. Okay, hope you're having a great day. See you soon.